0: Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. Perhaps there are several here that are like me. You don't get any name tags put on your packages that go under the tree anymore. Because you're the one of those like me that picks them up, gotta shake them, kind of see. Well, is this something I asked for? Is this how much does this weigh? Is this a shirt? Is it a pair of shoes? Is this a new hammer? Is it what is it? Who wants to, to guess what the packages are before they're ever opened up? And let's see if you can take somebody's joy away from trying to surprise you. No, not really. But I do that so. For years, um, there, it, it would seem that there's mystery, mystery packages under the tree. We don't know who they're going to. Um, God doesn't want us to live in mystery. He wants us to to know what's coming our way. And we're going to talk today and for these next several weeks about gifts that are coming our way from Bethlehem uh, to, to us from Bethlehem. We're going to start today with this gift of hope. If you want to turn to Matthew chapter 1. We'll look at Matthew's account today of of this story and um, see how I hope it's all over it. Verses 1 and 17, then we'll jump down to verse 18 through 25. One says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, I'm not going to read all those, but you can jump down to, to verse 17, which says, thus there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the (coughs) Messiah. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to, to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Four things today I want us to glean from this text. The first is this. And hope says, I don't care where you came from. I don't care where you came from. Some of you may, may be like me, and you <clears throat> came from the wrong side of the tracks. I didn't realize this until I was about in eighth grade. 8th, 7th, 8th and ninth grade in junior high school, that I lived on the wrong side of Broadway to be cool. All the kids that were on the other side of Broadway, on the east side of Broadway, those were the together kids. They were the kids that had it all, you know, had had actual drove cars, you know, instead of bikes to school and um, had, had some wherewithal. And as I got to, to, to be in ninth grade and, and a sophomore in, in high school, actually in ninth grade, that, that summer I was playing summer baseball and had some of the guys that I grew up with that lived, lived with me on the wrong side of Broadway. Uh, talk, talking about these, these Whittle Springs girls, we, we need to stay away from these Whittle Springs girls. They're, they're, too, they're just too sophisticated. They're too highbrow. They think they're better than everybody else. And so we just need, that's not what I found at all. I found a Whittle's girl and married a Whittle's girl. Um, <laughs> but as I grew, I found out, you know, the folks on the other side of Broadway, are not even better than the folks on the post side of Broadway, which is where I was born. But um, it's I, 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 I went into that in, into high school thinking, is any of this true? I, 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 I mean, should I have, have apprehension about about folks on the other side of Broadway? I did learn that there's a few folks, not meaning, but a few folks on the other side of Broadway felt like they were better than the folks on our side. And they probably were, I don't know. But that was my perception, whether it was reality or not. And I wanted to show you, I, I say that to say, Matthew doesn't paint a very good picture here of Jesus' genealogy. Now, hes he does kind of, in verse one, verse one's not derogatory at all, but as you look through, through his genealogy here, um, this is not a favorable story in, 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 on Jesus's part. Um, he came from a, from a rather crooked family tree. Tamar, who is in his tree, was abandoned. Ruth, who is in his tree, was an immigrant. Rahab was a prostitute. David was an adulterer. Solomon, a philanderer. Some of the kings were bloodthirsty and godless. Uh, he he just didn't have a a proper lineage for a king, for sure. And yeah. You see, Matthew was a tax collector and knew firsthand what this was like to be from the wrong side of the tracks, the wrong side of Broadway, because he he was he was despised and hated because of who he was and what he did, and he understood that in spite of your past, out of the middle of something unredeemable, hope says I don't care where you came from, because Matthew himself was unredeemable; he himself was. As I say, despised because of his profession, because of who he was and what he did, and and he got it. He, he he was, I'm sure, taken aback when Jesus comes by his tax collection table one day and says, Matthew, won't you come follow me? And immediately, he, the story says he followed Jesus. But I imagine even leaving that, that line of work behind and coming to follow Jesus was this thing of, you're talking to me? Am I the one you're... And I imagine Jesus saying, yeah, it's you. you can't follow me because he knew how despised he was and was was, was unworthy of that position. But hope says, I don't care where you came from. The second thing Hope says is, I don't care how you got here. Look at verses 18 to 21 with me. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pr- pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant with the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man And did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But watch this. After he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. He said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus, because he'll save his people from their sins. He didn't want to expose her, this passage says, to public disgrace. Jesus' conception looked a lot like his, his earthly family tree. It was, it was scandalous, uh, to say the least. However, hope came to Mary through a righteous man, Joseph. And if love trumps hate, and it does, by the way, but if love trumps hate, then righteousness trumps love because Joseph didn't stay with Mary because he loved her. He stayed with her because it was the right thing to do. It was the righteous thing to do. And he knew that he was a, a man of substance um it was it was was indeed the right thing to do and and that's a that's a great marriage lesson for, for you and I those of us who are married uh and and for our kids and grandkids that are married sometimes and i've I've shared this with folks in counseling do marriage counseling to folks over the years before marriage and after that I've heard people say what well, I just don't love her anymore. Or he just doesn't love me anymore. She doesn't, she doesn't love me anymore. And my initial counsel after that is, what's that got to do with it? If you made a promise that this is, this is the person you thought God wanted you to marry, this is, this is the person God had for you, and, and he, he brought her into your life and brought him into your life, and you stood before each other as a promise to God to say, this is the one, your promise for me, and the right thing to do be see that through and see if love returns. The wrong thing to do be be based on how you're feeling today. Because we don't feel like, each, like we're married or should be married or feel like we're worthy of each other or feel loved as, or cherished as much as we used to. But it, it, it's sometimes shocking to sit across the table from couples and, and tell them the right thing to do is to see this through. If, if this is the person God had for you, see this through and see if love doesn't return to your heart. Um, that's not popular counsel for most of them most of the time, um, but here's Joseph. Love had nothing to do with what he did. He did what he did because <laughs> it was the right thing to do, and God honors that. Of course, you know the end of the story. God honors that, and and th- this this angel comes to him to affirm his his righteousness. He had already decided, I'm going to kind of divorce her privately and, and give her some dignity before the angel ever visits. And after the angel visits, he. He kind of, OK, this is what th- this prophecy meant that, that, you know, we're going to look at in just a second. But he starts to get it and it starts to come true for him. But it's it's a great marriage counsel for us that sometimes if love isn't as dominant as it used to be, why don't we see do the next right thing in our marriage and see if love didn't return as a result of, of doing the right thing. Um, he didn't stay with her out of love, but out of what was right so just as Joseph brought hope to Mary the angels visit brought hope to Joseph and, and, and as a result hope was born not to just a mother but to a family to, to a father and a mother and uh, that is is that's, that's God's design for family that, that children grow up in homes with fathers and mothers if you're here today and you're a single parent um, what I want you to hear is God it God has nothing but encouragement and love and support for you. And I think as, as a result of what I've seen how, how I've seen him working in the lives of single parents over the years I think give single parents an extra measure of leadership an extra measure of grace, an extra measure of himself, an extra measure of provision an extra measure of promise. It doesn't feel that way all the time. I know it doesn't feel that way all the time. But single moms and dads what I want you is God sees you and he's with you and he's for you. Uh, it, your, your, your situation is such that y- you probably find yourself in greater need of, for him and from him than you ever have. And as, a, as I say, um, there's no, there's no shame in being a single parent. Uh, but God's design is for, for two parent homes. We see that here because he didn't need Joseph. What did God need Joseph for? Nothing. He wanted Jesus to be born into into a marriage, into a family, to see what maleness was like, to see what fatherhood was like from an earthly perspective, to see his own human frailty and the strength that his fa- earthly father could provide in, in that regard. So great things to be learned from Joseph, uh, uh, for, for Jesus, from Joseph and his heavenly father knew that and put him into that situation in, with a mother and a father. But hope says, I don't care how you got here. I don't care what your past is. It's let's let's do what's right from here on. Let's draw a line and say, if my past has been wrong, my future is going to be more right because of God doesn't care how we got here. Third thing that hope says, not just hope doesn't care where you came from or how you got here, but the third thing hope says is I don't care what the obstacles are. Don't care what the obstacles are. Look at 22 and 23 again when he says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and will give birth to a son, and i will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. So why does Matthew point us to this prophecy? Because I believe that about every Jew that read this from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, I believe about every Jew that read that through the years likely thought this to be a joke. Because the Jewish concept of, of what God was up to and about was primarily what they had seen as a result of the law, how God could take over circumstances. They had seen God in nature, how God could take over the elements. But God in conception, how in the world can, can, a, uh, can a virgin be with child and, and, and give birth to someone? Uh, they, they, as I say they had seen all the rest of that but, but this, this human element didn't, didn't make sense to them a lot Joseph was likely familiar with this prophecy himself and and the pieces and plan that God put together after the angels visit he starts to see this and, and this this verse probably comes alive for him to say oh, okay this is what this, this prophecy in Isaiah was, has been about all these years because hope doesn't care what the obstacles are hope doesn't care how hard it is And why is that the case? Because he's he's sending Emmanuel into the midst of the hard. He's sending Emmanuel in the midst of the difficult place. He's sending Emmanuel to be with us and for us in the midst of whatever's hard, whatever's difficult, whatever's hard to understand, whatever we can't see on the face of itself today. because God is with us. Hebrews 6, verse 19 and 20 speak to that. It says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure, It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. This is this idea of of hope coming to be present with us, to to, to break down the barriers between man and God in in the form of Emmanuel. And that passage said he's not going anywhere. Hope is here and he's not going anywhere else. Well, hope doesn't care where you came from, doesn't care how you got here, doesn't care what the obstacles are. Finally, hope says... I'm still here I'm still here look at Psalm 11 verses 3 and 4 says when the foundations are being destroyed what can the righteous do the Lord is in his holy temple the Lord is on his heavenly throne he observes the sons of men and his eyes examine them Now, listen how uh, how Peterson (coughs) puts that same passage in the message he says puts it this way says the bottoms dropped out of the country good people don't have a chance But God hasn't moved the mountains, moved to the mountains. His holy address hasn't changed. He's always in charge and always has been. His eyes are taking everything in, his eyelids unblinking. Examine Adam's unruly brood, and he is always there. Um, That that passage in Psalms says, What can the righteous do? Where can the righteous go? And that's the question for the ages we've had uh, around us a lot of wild, wildfires raging in, in, the, in the drought that we've experienced recently and I'm sure when that gets close to somebody's house, they're wondering where's God in the midst of fire coming at me uh, when when terrorism is raging they're wondering where God is many are wondering where's God when addiction has taken control some will wonder where's God when my, when my marriage is crumbling, where's God when I've lost my job, where is it when cancer shows up uh, David doesn't just follow the question with an answer but with a declaration. He says God's in charge. That's where he is. He's in charge of this situation. And David's point is unmistakable. When everything shakes in essence he's saying God remains unshaken. And the beauty in that is when we ask where is hope when all this is going on around us in our world and the answer to that is hope is here. It's always been here. It's always going to be here. Uh, So, as we wrap up, let me ask you this question. You want to know the greatest thing about hope. The greatest thing about hope is it's here. It's in this room. It's in the heart of every believer sitting here in this place. It's it's not just promised. It is realized. It's not in a product. It's not in a pill. It's not in a plan. But hope is in the person of Jesus. It's in the power and presence of his Holy Spirit and the power of his word that's where hope is that's where wherever you go you can take hope with you because if you know Christ as your savior that hope is in you and that hope is with you and he will never leave us the scripture says nor forsake us so what was born in that day in the form of Jesus was born to hope in circumstances that looked like they shouldn't work to people that look like really? God picked these guys? uh he takes unredeemable things and brokenness and turns it into beauty he's done that then he does that now he's done it every day since and uh, if we look for his hand we'll see hope at every turn look at this culture, watch the news it's hopeless, I get it, I understand but you examine his word and see his ways and look at his hand you'll see hope everywhere if you're looking for it, let's pray Father, in, as we said, sometimes in hopeless situations, if we look at our culture and what's going on in, around us, uh, boy, it would seem that Satan's in charge. It would seem that he is uh, on the throne. But we who know Jesus can, as we walk toward this season to celebrate your birth, live and walk and live out this true reality of the sense of hope that's in us into a hopeless and dark world. Why? Because you are hope. You are our hope. In you is our hope and if not in you, where? Where are we going to place our faith? In what are we going to place our trust? What is more dependable than you? What will hold us and sustain us and redeem us better than you? What will give us a sense of direction, encouragement better than you? What will help us see the unredeemable and make it redeemed? The, the part that's hard to understand and make it clear The part where our path is uncertain and you guide us into truth. Apart from you, where where can we see those things? Help us to understand that in a hopeless world, many are crying out and searching for hope and we have you. We have the hope in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. So would you, as we leave this place today, encourage us to walk in hope, to live out hope, to speak hopeful. To, to, to live hopeful lives, to have hopeful conversations. Why? Because we serve and know the God of hope. Because hope was born and, and lives in the hearts of men and women that know him as their Savior. Let that be seen and walked out and realized and known today in this room and from this room to wherever we go tomorrow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.